the Timepieces History Podcast, where each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past. Here's your host, Gudrun Lorette. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast. Today we're looking at Earl Grey of Tea and the Monument fame. Don't forget you can find the show notes, useful links and an episode transcript for today's show over on gudrunlorette.com forward slash podcast. I'd also love to know what you think of the podcast so far, so you can leave me a review on my website or on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts on, or even find me over at Twitter at Gudrun Lorette. Okay, let's get started. First of all, who was Earl Grey? Well, Charles Grey was born in 1764 into a long-established, successful Northumbrian family. His father, the first Earl Grey, was a successful general who fought in the American War of Independence, the French Revolution and the Seven Years' War. His army career earned him the nickname No Flint Grey because his men were ordered to use only their bayonets during night approaches and to remove their musket flints. He was awarded the Most Honourable Order of Bath for his military prowess. The death of Charles's older brother made him heir to the family estate and he was educated at Eton and Trinity College before he stood to represent his county as an MP in 1876. He advocated for parliamentary reform and Catholic emancipation and was made both Foreign Secretary and the leader of the Whigs in 1806. However, the following year, the Ministry of All the Talents, the coalition government he was part of, dissolved in 1807 and the year after that, the government fell. Grey spent 23 years in opposition, sitting in the Lords once he inherited his father's title. In 1830, he became Prime Minister, spending four years bringing in social changes. In 1832, his government introduced the Representation of the People Act, which brought about changes in the electoral system, including universal suffrage for men and women. The following year saw the abolition of the Slavery Act. When the government dissolved in 1834, Grey returned home to Northumberland, although he remained interested in politics and critical of some of the policies introduced by later governments. Earl Grey is also famous for his wonderful tea, and that's probably how he's better known these days, unfortunately. The bergamot, or perhaps bergamot, infused tea was allegedly made especially to offset the natural lime in the water local to his Northumberland home, and today it's manufactured by Twining's Tea. The company also produces a black tea named after his wife, Lady Grey, which adds lemon and orange peel to the original recipe. It's a lighter flavour and very refreshing. Convention says that you should drink either of the grey teas with a slice of lemon, but I'm afraid I always spoil mine with milk. If you go into Newcastle city centre, you can't miss Grace Monument. It towers over the streets and buildings around it, and it's so high that you can hardly make out the statue at the top. You can actually go inside the monument and up to the top, but it's only open a few days of the year in summer, and I'm afraid to say I've yet to go up there myself. The monument stands at the heart of Granger Town, and we'll be coming back to what that means in a future episode, with a 13-foot-high statue sculpted from Portland stone resting atop a Roman Doric column which is 134 feet high. The column itself is made from grit stone, although I'm afraid I don't know what that is. Sculptor Edward Hodges Bailey, who went on to carve Nelson for his column in Trafalgar Square, was employed by Benjamin Green, who designed the column. The foundation stone was laid in September 1837, with Earl Grey taking up residence the following year. But why was Grey honoured in such a way as to have both a street named after him and a statue carved in his image? Well, Grey, whose home was Northumberland, was Prime Minister between 1830 and 1834, and he was the only Prime Minister from the North East, unless you count Tony Blair, who was MP for Sedgefield and County Durham, although was born and educated mostly in Edinburgh. Grey's work in reform made him particularly revered in the predominantly working-class North. And who were the Whigs? 
The Whig Party was formed in 1678 and returned 16 Prime Ministers and also established the primacy of Parliament over the Crown during the Glorious Revolution in 1688. They also founded the Bank of England in 1694 and the Act of Union between England and Scotland in 1707. In the 150 years after that, the only other main party was the Tories. The Whigs stood for progress and passed laws to support religious minorities, introduced pro-immigration bills and other laws to make Parliament more representative of the whole country. Early leader Robert Walpole is regarded as the first Prime Minister of Great Britain and its longest serving, holding office for 21 years. Having started out as representing the aristocracy, by the 19th century the Whigs were supported by traders and those in industry, particularly as they pushed for free trade. The name Whig is short for Whigamore, a West Scotland term for the cattle driver. It was used as a derogatory term, first against the Covenanters in Charles I's time, and again during the Exclusion Bill period, applied to those who were anti-Roman Catholic. It's also worth mentioning that if you have the opportunity to come up to Northumberland, you can have a trip to Charles Grey's family seat, Howick Hall. It's open to the public and features extensive gardens and an arboretum. It was built by the architect William Newton in 1782 and enlarged in 1809 by the second Earl, Howard Charles Grey, which included the construction of a terrace. The interior of the house was destroyed by fire in 1926, but when it was rebuilt two years later it was drastically changed and actually made smaller. Although the family moved out after the death of the fifth Earl in 1963, the West Wing was turned into a residence by Lord Howick, as the title is now a decade later. There is even a tea room in what is known as the East Quadrant, and the Hall's website explains that at one time it had been a ballroom, but was converted into assorted storerooms and a servants' area in 1928. Now restored to the original shape, you can enjoy tea, light lunches and snacks, and admire the James Northcote Biblical Paintings Great Commissioned in 1809, as well as a copy of a portrait of the Earl by Sir Thomas Lawrence, done in 1828. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm off to have a brew, but I'll be back next week with more Tales from the Northeast. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.